JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Line. Bring it up here, Mike. Take it over. Uh, man. First time. Oh. I saw your face. I saw your face. <laughs> girl, I girl, I have you? I wanted to see you win. Oh, that is so good right there. You know, you sound a hell of a lot like both Teddy Riley and Aaron Hall right there. That's job well done out of you, Mike. Just like him. Listen. Hey, James, thank you for having me listen. And, Jay, you went 99 yards, fumbled the ball, but you pulled an Andrew Luck yes. off of a Donald Brown fumble, picked up the ball, dove over the line, dove over the uh, goal line, and scored the touchdown by taking care of getting red-hot chili peppers off of the air yes. and going with Jay. So it- you are the real MVP for that. I know what I can do for you, too, because I go to the standby, and I knew you knew by heart every single cut from one of the great albums of our time, The Future, and Guy, and there it is. Because we're all going to go, me, you, Dion, everybody. We're all going coming up at the end of March down at Cambridge Failed Out. It's going to be a blast. We are going to celebrate. And listen, all my friends who want to send me text messages over me not being able to sing, uh, sing a.k.a. David Smith, I know I can't sing, but that's, that is the highlight of it all. And if I can get on stage and sing with Aaron and Teddy oh. on March 24th at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, all hell is going to break <laughs> loose on that night if that comes about. Well, Wells knows he can't sing. Why do you think he's practicing? Hey, Wells, did you exactly. survive – did you survive your trip to the Athens, Alabama Buckies? How was that? Oh, my goodness, man. It was unbelievable. And by the way, Higgin, when I call you, bro, you got to answer the phone, man. <laughs> I, know you don't, I, know you, I know you don't wake up until like 3 o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon. But if I, if I call you, I got to let you know what's going on, man, because it was one hell of an experience. <laughs> at the Buckies in Athens, Alabama, as JMV's favorite member of the Wells household just got in the car who ratted me out about my experience at the Buckies 
in Athens, Alabama, as I drove off with the gas pump in my Oh, no. <laughs> Bucky's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. No, I, and he blamed I, it on somebody I, else. He didn't own it either. <laughs> he pulled it out and didn't own it. Oh, no. Were you, were you eating a brisket yeah. sandwich and you were too distracted? <laughs> I, I hadn't gone in the store yet. I was so excited to go inside of Bucky's. We, I, I needed gas. Uh, my boy Buster was out at the dog park, and I went to get in and get my brisket sandwich and get me some beaver nuts, and drove off with the gas with the, drove off with the gas pump in the rental car, and all of a sudden, the gas pump was on the ground, disconnected from the pump, and Jamie's favorite member of the household, Layla Wells, is texting her friends and letting her know that I embarrassed her. Man, I, if I knew that, if I would have been awake and answered that phone call, I would have damn sure called that that Bucky's and said, hey, man, can you pull this security camera footage just so I can see Wells? And then watching you jump out of that car and running to get it. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we, hey, we, and we put that on Chive. Like, we come in here and watch Chive, that channel that runs on a loop. We'll put that on Chive. Here in Athens, Alabama... <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, Indiana man decides to drive <laughs> off with the gas pump still lodged in his receptacle. And, and, and <laughs> Wells loves to call them beaver nuts. They're beaver nuggets, Wells. Clean it up a little bit. Oh. Beaver nuggets. Uh, you know, say, say anything, balls, whatever we want to call it. But <laughs> I was on last Friday, and I told the story, but J&B tried to get me to, to announce where it was at, where yeah. this occurred at. And I did not answer, but I was like, you know what? What the hell? I'm also going. So many people were tweeting me about it. I was like, let me acknowledge, especially with you on the show, that it happened at a Bucky's, a brand new Bucky's, by the way, in Athens, Alabama, um, last week. Things happened, and but that damn brisket sandwich, though, it made up for it. The fact that I went into the store and, and said somebody else broke the pump. I don't think they're going to extradite you for breaking the pump there. But, yeah, I turned our, our guy Joel Erickson on, and he went to his first Bucky's, and it was in Athens. So we've given enough uh, enough enough uh, free airtime, Johnny. So let's uh, – let's. why don't you ask Wells what you just yeah. numbered me about, about Chris Ballard. So Mike Wells on the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. Of course, you covered the Colts for certainly most of the, the Ballard era. Even with the years he still has on his contract, should Sunday be his final game as general manager of the Colts? Man, you you truly put me on the spot on this one. But you know what? I, I would do the same thing. I love to put people on the spot. I don't see how there's and I and I'm not saying I anybody deserve somebody should be fired because I'm not I'm not the owner. But you look at Ballard's resume and the fiasco that happened this year and the lack of competitiveness of this franchise over the you know I mean I don't remember the last time this team even competed. With the first half of the, the game against the Vikings, you know, two quarters over the past what six weeks. If I if I'm Mercy, the Twitter break, I tell somebody I'm cleaning house. I am cleaning house in this organization, and and who's ever coming in to run the front office, I am going to politely ask my boss Jim Mercy, can you stop getting in front of the camera and talking about this team is ready to make a run. This team is ready to you know surpass. Potentially now the Jacksonville Jaguars as the AFC South champions, and when you haven't, you've only been to the playoffs twice since 2014. They just need they need to worry about you know putting a respectable product on on uh, on the field. So yes, I'm cleaning house if I'm Jim Mercy. Hagan has mentioned that it's not on Chris Ballard here. Go ahead and explain to Mike 
the explanation you gave to me before the end of the three o'clock hour. Well, I said, what's something you can point at that you put on Ballard and say, oh, this was a horrible decision? I mean, he, he didn't control Luck retiring. He didn't control – he didn't have as much say – he didn't have control over Phillip Rivers bouncing after one year. They'd gone to the playoffs and competed that year. He, it wasn't his guy necessarily to bring in Wentz. That was a lot on Frank. And he was handcuffed when Ersay says, bottom line, Wentz is not the quarterback anymore. So those were all thrown on his plate – that, that weren't of his doing or, or a mistake he made per se. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to end say, yes, Chris, I mean, excuse me, Frank Wright went to bat for Carson Wentz, but Chris Ballard has the power to say no. This guy got benched. He's not the same player he was in 2017, 2017 pre-foreign ACL. I say, Frank, I respect you as the head coach, but – we're bringing in a guy that lost his starting job to a rookie in Jalen Hurts, and the Eagles have question marks at quarterback. Even though Hurts has proven that he's the real deal, they didn't know that at the time. And then Chris Ballard, Anthony Costanza retires, doesn't go out and get a left tackle, doesn't get a quarterback in the early part of the draft, one of the first three rounds of the draft, to try to groom and get mold and get ready as you continue to just plug guys in to play the quarterback spot. He did not address so the two two most important areas outside of pass rusher are left tackle or right tackle, depending if you've got a right-hander or a left-handed quarterback, and quarterback. And Chris Ballard has failed in that area. He has failed miserably in that area. Would you trust how, him? How can, this, is, this is something John asked me a, a month or two ago on the, the Fox 59 show. Would you trust Ballard with a, a top-five pick in this year's draft? Uh, I'm going to get listen to his opinion, but I'm going to have a lot of say in it. I'm going to have I'm on Ursay. I'm having a lot, a lot of say in this situation uh, on what you're going to do because they 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 have to get a quarterback. There, if you have a top five pick, what position? I mean, what, what are you going to take a left tackle? You 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 got to take one of those quarterbacks that's on the board. You can't sit there and say, oh, this guy's not good or whatever. Um, you're, you're, you're particularly looking at, obviously, Bryce Young is going to go number one to the Texans after the Texans, you know, finish there. The kid from, what, the kid from Kentucky is out there. You have C.J. Stroud. How are you going to – how can you sit there and speak to your fan base if you still go into next season with uncertainty of quarterback? You can't go in and say, we're just going to find a guy in free agency because that approach is not working with the exception of Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers came in and drank, drank from the fountain of youth and was very impressive in his one year. So, no. Mike Wells. Yeah, I, I just – I, Hagan, I love you, brother. But, ooh, you kind of get – you kind of give him Ballard a pass. I know I'm saying there's things – there are some things you can blame on him, but some of these, you know, some catastrophic decisions like, oh, I can't believe he did this. I mean, he gave money to – first-round draft picks on that offensive line, uh, guys that were supposed to be generational talents, and they haven't produced. You have a uh, the NFL rushing leader comes back, uh, doesn't get the line help he needs. He gets hurt. You have a, uh, a leader on defense in Shaquille Leonard. He gets hurt, has a surgery, playing catch-up the whole year. The whole year. Th- those are things you can't foresee as a GM. And I, I said, you know, he didn't go out there and address 
the uh, the receiver situation. There are things he didn't do, but I, I don't see catastrophic decisions he's made where, okay, let's get him out. Now we got a top five pick. Let's bring in some first-time GM and, and, and trust him to go out there and, and put this together. Uh, it's just a it, – it's a – it's a unique situation where you've had a guy that's gone out and found throughout every round of the draft has found players that have produced at a high level. And for whatever reason, they all got together and decided they were either going to get hurt or not produce this year. Mike, I got a question for you. Actually a question for you both here, and you can revisit this Uh, in the past couple of years. What have been the worst Colts extensions, the most egregious Colts extensions? You give me yours, Chris, you give me yours and I'll give you mine. Ooh, I'm going to go right now. I'm going to say two, two of the three on the offensive line. If I'm basing if we're going off of today, I'm going to say Ryan Kelly and Braden Smith. I'm going to say Chris Ballard and Frank Reich have been the worst. And that was kind of a trick question right here. That's kind of a trick question, but I think that th- that those extensions have kind of led us down the path of where we are right now. And here's the thing that that I don't want to hear. Bob Kravitz said this, and I don't know if I quite believe it entirely, but Bob, earlier this week when I asked him if this Ballard thing at all is about money, he suggested it was. And, and I always state it this way. It's easy for me to sit here and talk about somebody else's money and what they should be doing with it, right? It's very easy for me. But if you're Jim Irsay, and knowing what everybody has said about Jim as an owner, he's going to go as far as he can, spend all this money. Everything is about winning. That is where the target is. This can't be about money if you're Jim Irsay right here. It might be able to be if you're another owner around the NFL, but from what we have heard, how it's been described, and what we have known about Jim Irsay, this Ballard decision, if it happens to be financially driven, can't be. What do you think? No, yeah, no, 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 no. Listen, yeah, you can't sit back and say, oh, oh yeah, now we can't get rid of him because we're paying this guy X amount of dollars. I mean, and, man, you speak of his changes, boy, can once you leave organization, Jim Mercy has no problem, you know, you know, back, backing up the uh, four-wheeler over you 25 times. He did it with Carson Wentz last year. He did it with Frank Reich and saying that, you know, he shouldn't give him that contract extension. If he gets if he gets to Kahunas and fires Chris Ballard, is he going to do the same thing to Ballard and say, I shouldn't have given Ballard that extension? I that, thought it was. You made a good point, but hey, hey, Hagen, what is your answer off of that? I gave you mine. John gave uh, gave us his. What is yours? I, I agreed when I said that. I, I didn't. I didn't. It's not even hindsight. Twenty twenty. When they did that before last season, before the Wentz season, when they extended both of them, I said, "Why are you doing that? You do that after something great has happened." They they had you know they had Philip Rivers and they you know they competed in the playoffs. Uh, came close to an upset win. So, but Rivers is gone. Why extending? Why do you, the timing of it just seem weird? You know that usually happens when you're ten and two in the middle of the season, or you just had a great playoff run, uh, and they hadn't done that. So at the time, I said I, I don't understand that. And then now, when you do use the benefit of hindsight, you say I told you so. And then Frankie, I mean uh, Ursay, even kind of backtracked. Well, I didn't think it. Well, then why'd you do it? You you, you have the checkbook. You're the one writing the checks. How can anybody pressure you or make you feel like you need to do something on anything, especially something as big as that? How could you feel pressure to do that? So I would agree with John on that. Yeah. All right. Oh, man. 
Yeah, well, these are some of the things that need to be need to be talked about right here. And I guess Mike Wells of ESPN Radio joins me. It's Chris Hagan as well. I'm JMV, Twin Peaks, Bud Light Blue Friday, Castleton. Hopefully you can join us coming up in just a bit. We would love to see you. So that leads us to the next head coach here. How much, and I think it's going to be a lot from the owner's standpoint, but how much should really be considered to extend Jeff Saturday out past the interim basis and have him be the head coach going into 2023 and the start of that season. Chris, we'll start with you. Well, I thought when they hired him, it was just a stopgap measure so you wouldn't have Frank being booed off the field. You'd think, well, nobody's going to boo Jeff Saturday off the field, a beloved guy. I I didn't think that Saturday would have as much interest as he's shown in in getting the job full-time. And I've been surprised from what I've heard within the organization about how much he's still in the discussion to get the job. I I don't think, I mean, I think you have to open it up. You have to, and perhaps, you know, Ursay will be swayed by somebody else he he interviews for that job because clearly nothing against Jeff. I I love Jeff was here for his entire career, but I think you're going to find clearly much better candidates for that job than him. I mean, you, hey, they have to be able to find much better candidates for that job. Um, they have to find much better ones because, honestly, I know Jeff Saturday has the history of being a great, um, you know, coach player and everything. But what has he done? What has he done to even say, yes, he should be a top three candidate for this job? Well, I have not seen anything since he got named an interim basis outside of winning that, that first game against the Raiders to say, okay, Jeff Saturday should be the interim head coach. And, and you're talking about results. You're talking about credentials since he's taken over, much like when I bring up Chris Ballard, I do the same. Results and credentials. And in terms, Mike, of Jeff Saturday, I've made this argument. Um, and, and certainly this team has gotten worse. But the problem is – it was going to go down the crapper anyway. And Jim Ursay, regardless of his motive here, whether or not it was to, you know, get some intel, to get somebody he trusted more than anybody else, I guess, in there from the past to find out what he needs to know about what was not going right in his organization. If he really, truly wanted Jeff to be the coach past this interim basis this season, it had to be in the offseason because he gets covered up by all, Mike, you accurately just explained. All that has gone wrong, all that has gone haywire, all the losing, the embarrassments, the bad games, the turning the channel because I'm sick of watching this. He is absolutely swallowed up by all of it. And basically any of these guys, Bubba Ventrone, any of these assistant coaches, John Fox, whomever would have taken over, would have been covered up with similar consequences. And that's why, to me, in the court of public opinion, it is going to be impossible to bring back Jeff Saturday, considering the results we have seen with him on an interim basis. Yeah, I mean, you, even the old school Colts fans can't sit here and say we can get behind them. Because if you really felt like Saturday was going to be a guy in line to be the head coach for going into the 2023 season, I'm like, you know what, let's just go ahead. Like you said, give it to a Gus Bradley or a John Fox, a guy, guys who may not want to be head coaches anymore. Let them get through this poo-poo show. And then you bring Jeff Saturday in and say, okay, a new, you know, we're, new era is coming in. We're going up with Jeff Saturday. But instead – They've become the butt of jokes in the NFL, unfortunately. And I I like Jeff Saturday as a person. But they have become the butt of jokes because they hired um, somebody 
who has no NFL or even college coaching experience to come in and try to, you know, let, let the fan base live off of what Jeff did as a player. Unfortunately, the product on the football field has been straight hot garbage, as, as our man Michael Grady used to say, straight hot garbage, uh, what they've not been able to do. There's been no sign of life saying, okay, the future is bright with this organization. Even the defense, which has played well in stretches, has, been, has gone downhill in, a, in, in recent weeks. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Um, that's the deal. It'd be if it was a feel-good story and they'd gone like seven and one, six and two over these last eight games with Saturday at the helm. You'd be like, okay, I, I can buy in. But they win the first game. They lose six straight since then. So he's going to go uh, one and seven or two and six or knowing this rivalry this year maybe he goes one six and one uh so yeah it's not anything where you can be like okay it was an unorthodox hire but this thing's working he knows to lead men he knows how to organize uh you just you just didn't get that and whatever it was or whatever led to that decision uh it clearly was it was a fun little story at first and it was kind of the colts against the world uh, because, you know, the trash, everybody was talking about the decision and about Jeff. But now you say, okay, now you see why they said all that. Um, things didn't turn around. L- l- let's, let's go find some people that can, can build this thing back and, and take control of this once-proud franchise, which, like you said, Je- uh, a Wellesley has unfortunately become uh, a laughingstock. Yeah, it, it's – this truly is – I mean, I've – Obviously, I've only been living in Indy since, uh, you know, for the past 18 years, but I've, I've followed the NFL for a, long, for a long time. This is arguably the lowest point in this franchise has been. And, uh, and you know, when you've had injuries in 17 and then in 2011, and obviously there were a couple of the bad seasons, but, you know, when you combine the, the, the lack of production on the football field, lack of talent at key positions, and the continued – you know, fumbling and bubbling and trying to put pieces together. This franchise is truly at a low point. All right, the other professional franchise as Mike Wells joins us to close here, the Indiana Pacers, and not the greatest example of being able to close a game up four and, you know, what took place down the stretch in that game in Philly the other night, that notwithstanding. Week to week, your impression just develops even more so of this team as a group and this team moving forward with the parts and the pieces they have right now and playing for the now along with the future, as opposed to worrying more about assets and what may occur further down the road. Mike, you agree? Oh my God. I I love, I love, love, love watching this Pacers team. I mean, yeah. I mean, what happened the other night in Philly, you know, 76ers did not have Joel Embiid. And the Pacers couldn't be able – they couldn't find a way to pull that game out. Ooh, they had some questionable calls too, man. But anyways, you got to believe that, okay, this franchise, the foundation is – the foundation is there. They're, they're exciting. They're not, a, they're not boring basketball anymore. They, they had, they're, everything they're doing is a prime example on why you should be supporting this franchise. They're exciting. They're fun. Um, they're proving doubters wrong who felt like, oh, yeah, they're going to be in line for a high draft pick, blah, blah, blah. No, they're right there in the mix in, in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, barring something crazy happening, we'll be in the playoffs. That's, that's what you like. And these young kids are going to continue to de- develop. And I think after the last couple of years, I think um, Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan, they deserve some credit. 
and Rick Carlisle and the way he's he's got these these young kids to buy into how to play the game. I was at the game uh, Monday night against the Raptors. Let me tell you what. That building hadn't felt like that in a while. I mean, that was electric. Yeah. It was a good game, back and forth, uh, a fun team to watch. You know, the, each possession you felt like, who's going to do something spectacular? You know, you, you have players like that and Matherin and Halliburton and then uh, JMV's guy um, that, that's still competing and, and maybe – a lot of fans now may be glad they still have him around and Miles Turner. Better be. But, yeah, it was hey, – hey, I'll tell you hey, what. Stop, it was, stop, stop disrespecting John's guy. We're saying JMV's guy. Why don't you say JMV's guy, Miles Turner? I'm giving say him credit. Name. I'm giving – I said his name. Yeah. You know, hey, Mike. I just said his name. Everybody, everybody ought to be kissing my ass right I, now, shouldn't they, Mike? I'm giving, shouldn't they? I'm giving John yeah. credit, and I'm, I'm sorry I didn't put the words in the exact order you wanted them, Wells, <laughs> in my sentence that I was making. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know when the last time you were out there, but it, it felt like it did back in the day when, when you could see that place. Now, granted, it was a, a pain in the ass getting out of the parking garage, but that's what comes along with, uh, with success and winning and people being excited about being out there. Well, let's be real, Hagen. I'm sure you did not pay for that parking pass, so it's okay. No. You exactly, wait, exactly. Hey, the, yeah, the <laughs> hell with the win-loss. Hey, minutes. Mike, the hell with the win-loss column. Just check the parking it's garage after me. the game. It's all about me. It's about me and my experience. Yeah, the hell with that. So, hey, yeah. by the way, oh my I, I saw your text late last night. I don't think Laney's over there tomorrow. I don't think. I have, oh. But I'll be honest, I've been kind of out of the loop this week, so I don't know for sure. Okay, I, I think a Center Grove team, one of, it might be the other Center Grove uh, uh, team that's going to be playing uh, up there during the little tournament up here in Brownsburg. They I might, was hoping uh, she might, she might be, though. I am, uh, I am not, I'm not completely sure, but I've been a little bit, a little bit out of the loop here the past couple of weeks, so I'm not uh, altogether sure. But, hey, I will say this. I have uh, I talked to a former Indiana State Sycamore, Michael Menser, who played for the Sycamores. They beat IU twice, obviously, you know, got in and, and won a game in the NCAA tournament uh, going back in the early 2000s. The kid out of Batesville, not a kid anymore, fella, dude, man now, who's the assistant principal over a playing field, runs a pretty solid outfit over there, too, for some girls. So we're going to see what that's going to be like as well. So I don't know if you've ever heard of him before, heard of him before, but he is a really good dude. No, that, listen, that's great, man. Maybe, maybe uh, Ms. Laney needs to transfer to the Plainfield School District, man. Yeah, well, no, it's uh, – yeah, she's had a good time. So, I, I just don't – I don't know yeah. because I haven't checked with uh, – I mean, like I said, I've been out of the loop, which kind of sounds like I haven't been home, which maybe that's kind of it. <laughs> I've, been, I've been a little bit all over the place here recently. So, yeah, again, it sounds like that. And, so. and, by, and by the way, I know um, – I, I realize why – you didn't let James in the studio know that he, we needed to have a slow jam reentry. It's because you were distracted by the workers in Twin Peaks. Zero idea what or, you're talking about. Or, yes. Or, 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 or you basically had a, a towel and you were wiping the ground up from Hagen's um, drool from being on site with you at Twin Peaks. That's not drool. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, oh my man. God. Hey, hey, uh, hey, on that note, you fellas have a great weekend. I'll talk to y'all next Friday. Hey, tell my girl Layla hello, okay? I will do, brother. Talk to you. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Don, what time did you get in? I got to bed at five minutes after four. Nice. 
Nice. Yeah, I literally, of course, I have to drive from Bloomington, get so that's where the plane takes her if it leaves. So, so. yeah. Anyway, uh, it wouldn't yeah. have mattered one way or the other. It was still going to be a very late, late <laughs> night. Yeah, you know, it's funny. As I get older, like I used to be, and I guess to a degree I still am, but I, it, it's it's tougher and tougher, I think, to to stay up that late, get to bed out early, and then be worth a crap the next day, Don, honestly. I know. I, mean, I just slog I around like crazy, so. <laughs> and it's certainly, certainly well, difficult. So, hey, I got anyway. A terrific five hours of sleep, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. Hey, I, I did see you and Eric and our good friend Jake Robinson right behind the IU bench, uh, basically right there on the scores table last night doing your broadcast. Were you privy to anything that was going on in those testy moments late in that, that second half between the two benches and the officials? Well, we weren't privy to any of it because it happened to our left, which was very close to the midcourt stripe. But uh, we, we saw what was going on, obviously. And this is the third. Uh, I, I think Fran McCaffrey's done this three straight games now to Indiana. He even did it in our home ball game last year to a lesser extent. He started to come across the midcourt stripe, and I don't know if he got stopped before. I can't remember exactly that the scenario that took place. But, of course, last year at Iowa and this year at Iowa, he's right down there in the huddle. I mean, it was crazy. And uh, it's just, John, I, all I can tell you, and I like Fran. I, I've, I've had a great relationship with him over the years. Uh, every time we ask for an interview, he does it. Uh, you know, and, and you get to know a guy a little bit. And away from the basketball court, He's a great guy, but yeah. but last night that's just that's ridiculous, and and I don't know what he's thinking. Obviously, he's upset about something. Um, in this particular case, we were told that well, we know that the official Paul uh, Zelt gave him a technical foul for being down there, and then they rescinded it because I guess the other two guys said he was coming to protect a player. You can't see any player down there until no, there after he yeah. gets pushed back. After yeah. he gets pushed back, after he gets pushed back, Connor McCaffrey comes in there. But that was long after he had already started down toward Indiana's huddle and had gotten almost to the huddle. I, I don't know what – it's just crazy to me. It's, it's it, crazy. It, and I feel bad, for, I feel bad for, for the program in the sense of what, what's going on there with Patrick, his son. But nevertheless, that's no excuse. There's just no reason for him to be there. Well, and you mentioned this this happens, and we were kind of joking last week about, you know, you, you know when when you're getting at him, when he turns purple, and certainly in the, the first half, IU up 21 got at him because he turned purple and threw a fit to get that first technical, but you could tell he was trying to motivate his team or whatever, but, you know, that second one, late in the second, it looked like he was just mad because the assistants were close and having a conversation with the officials, I, it, it was just, it was really weird. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish other than being Fran McCaffrey losing his mind during a game. <laughs> well, I can't answer the question for him. He'd have to, he's the only one that can. All I know is it was a mess. It, it turned out to be, I mean, he should have been thrown out because he got the early technical foul in the ball game and the second technical gets you kicked out. I can't. I've never heard of a, a technical foul being rescinded. I, I, this is a first 
for me. Now, I'm not saying it hasn't happened before, but I've never heard of it or seen it. I, I thought last night that the reason why that they did rescind it was because that quick realization that, uh-oh, he got one early in this game, so now he's going to be tossed. And I, that should not play a role, but it does make you wonder if it certainly did because he clearly he clearly calls it and uh, nothing happened after it. So it, it was just, you're right, it was a wild, chaotic couple of minutes right there, right in, right in front of the, the bench and everybody in a wild, chaotic part of that game late in the second half. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, and it shouldn't have happened, but it did. Uh, my question is, do they do anything about this? Because if you go past the midcourt stripe, I mean, there's a coach's box. You're not ever supposed to get out of the coach's box. Now, we know that all of these guys do, um, you know, fudge a little bit, things like that. But I've not seen any other coaches, I, I don't think, go down, you know, past midcourt and into the other team's huddle or close to it. <laughs> I've never seen it from anybody else. So uh, there's got to be something done about it. Uh, there's no question in my mind. That's Like I said, that's three straight years that – or three straight games, I should say, that it's happened uh, twice at Iowa and once at Indiana last year. So that that has to stop. And I, I know Mike is really upset about it because he, he just felt like there's no way this can happen two years in a row and uh, at Iowa, and it does. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The other thing that happened before we get to what happened on the court was the injury in the first half to race Thompson. I have not seen nor heard anything. Have you regarding the severity of that injury? No, but it doesn't look good, John. Um, And and nobody would give me a definitive answer on what it was, but it's obviously a knee. Um, He he was dove into by Tony Perkins, um, as I understand it. I didn't see – I really didn't see – I saw I saw it happen because it was right in front of us. Right. But I didn't see who the player was, you know, and I wasn't paying any attention to the player. I was paying attention to whether they were going to call a foul, which didn't happen, or um, what was going on with Race and himself. But I just didn't see who made who was made the hit. But it was Tony Perkins that did it. Um, and I don't think it was intentional, but he was diving for the ball or something. Whatever it was going on there, he, he obviously caught race just right and whatever happened happened Uh, we don't know the update on that and probably won't know the update until tomorrow i would assume we'll we'll get some information tomorrow and uh or i should say sunday when when indiana plays northwestern but honestly uh indiana's very tight-lipped as you know and many schools are these days about any kind of injury they just give you it's a lower leg injury but we know it's a knee that's what they were examining when it was right in front of us so if it's a if it's a strained knee, that's one thing. That's that's probably the best scenario that could take place. Um, if it's something beyond that, uh, he may be lost for the rest of the year, and that would make two guys of your starting lineup that are now down. Yeah, I want to get to Xavier Johnson with you in a second as well, but it reminded me of one of those offensive line injuries where the offensive lineman, like he was facing you last night where you guys are broadcasting from and right. and Perkins rolled him up from the backside which would have been you know his you know you would have been kind of shielded by by race to that and it right. very much was reminiscent of an offensive line injury we we really see often when they get rolled up on from behind it was ugly yeah I I can only imagine and he was in a lot of pain you could tell that uh, and he was really upset too he was he was mad um, 
And I think it was probably the madness that came from the injury itself, you know, just being and knowing that it was serious. <laughs> so that's, that's why I put, don't put uh, a lot of hope in the sense that this is going to be a short-term thing. Um, and I hope it, I hope it is. And obviously I pray that it is for his sake, because this is a 60 year guy. He wanted to finish out this year in style in some way, shape or form. And for himself personally, that probably will not happen if it's a, if it's a season ending injury. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers with us. I mentioned it, Xavier Johnson too. And, you know, they talk about how he's rehabbing to try to get back. Uh, any thoughts from Mike Woodson or anybody you've heard from as far as the expectation or lack thereof, Don, I guess as well, they may have regarding his return. Yeah, I mean, again, we're, we're talking about speculation and, and there's no reason to speculate at this point. I, I don't think it's going to be – I think there's a good possibility that he could be back this year. Uh, but at what point in time that is and, you know, what kind of shape he can be in and all that kind of stuff, uh, I just can't tell you. But at this juncture, I do think there's a belief that he could be back yet this year. Hey, Don, I know uh, Trace hung in there. He had 30, but you could tell in that second half that lower back situation affected him. And I, I thought, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I thought you could tell that a little bit of what normally is his athleticism was zapped. He wasn't as, as, as getting up uh, as much as we normally see him doing. Was there any effect you saw toward the end of that game? I know he kind of reached for it a couple of different times, but that, to me, at least from what I saw, was the extent of it. Yeah, I, I I don't know. You know, to know today is probably the day he's going to really feel it. If in fact it was a big issue last night, uh, my my thing uh, about his performance last night was he played uh, thirty eight, almost thirty eight and a half minutes of the ball game out of the forty right. minute ball game, and he hadn't practiced, but only maybe two or three practices leading up to that point uh, through the holidays. He just he was not able to do so. Uh, they just wanted to rest him and be very cautionary with him and all those kinds of things through that two-week period that they didn't play. And, of course, he missed the two ball games against Elon and Kennesaw State prior to that. So it's basically he had probably basically two and a half weeks of rest before he started practicing again and then only had two or three practices before he played that ball game. And for him to play like he did and to get 30 points like he did that was some performance, in my opinion. I mean, that's that's a kid gutting it out, doing exactly everything that he possibly can to help Indiana win. And Mike said he tried to take him out of the game in the second half, and he said he wouldn't come out. He said, I want to be a part of this. He wanted to try to get the win. And, you know, that's, that's telling you something about the kid. Yeah, and the other part of it was, I, I think Mike told you before the game, did he not, that – that he was going to, they were really going to eyeball and monitor his minutes. And, yeah, he didn't want to come out. They put him out there for 38 because that was an important game. And they're all absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, it's a long season, but that was an important game. Not often, Don, do you get up 21 at Carver-Hawkeye or much less anywhere else on the road in the Big Ten. And it is so incredibly disappointing. And I know it was early, but so disappointing they were not able to close that out because you don't often get set up in a situation like that. No, you don't. Uh, and Indiana, of course, played so well in the first 10 minutes of that ball game. I mean, really, as good as we played, uh, as good as Indiana has played offensively this year, uh, in my opinion. I mean, against a, decent, a really good basketball team. So, you know, uh, it, it's so disappointing that he couldn't hang on. 
And in essence, it was a very similar performance to last year. They got up big in the first half last year, not quite to the degree that they did this time. But then they let a seven-point halftime lead slip out of their hands, and Iowa kind of controlled the rest of the ball game last year. In this particular case, Indiana did come back and got a six-point lead, I think, with maybe just over three minutes to go in the, in the final half, but they just couldn't hang on to it. And uh, that, that's what's disappointing. They couldn't finish it out. There's no question that Race's uh, ability in the first half was a big reason why Chris Murray didn't get off. He had nine first-half points, which is not bad. But at the same time, it was just kind of his average at best. Uh, And then the second half, he just went nuts, and he knocked in 21 points. So uh, without Race in there, and that's who was guarding him most of the time, uh, they just didn't have an answer for that guy. And uh, I I think the the concerning thing right now for this Indiana basketball team, aside from the injuries, and that's a, a big concern to say the least, but the big question mark is what has happened to this defense? Why has it allowed so many easy baskets, especially in the second half of this one? There were so many drives right to the basket itself. And the defense is just breaking down now. And, and the offense still played well in the second half, certainly well enough to win the ball game, to score 89 points. You had to be playing well. But at the same time, the defense has just given up way too many points. And in every one of these losses, it's been the defensive problems that have really plagued this team. I'm assuming things are going to change just by obviously virtue of race Thompson's injury and still dealing with Xavier Johnson's injury. And, you know, hopefully, you know, trace is able to sustain here. I think last night, eight players played, I think got off the bench and played is Mike Woods are going to have to go a little bit deeper. You think, and maybe form a little bit more trust in guys that maybe going in, for example, Don last night, you didn't have. Well, if, if race is out, and X is out, obviously. Um, and we don't know what Trace's situation could be. There are going to be a lot of people that are going to have to get off that bench. And we're talking about Geronimo. We're talking about uh, Malik Renew. He's got to find his way again after starting yeah. out the year so positively and so strong. Um, he's lost a little confidence, it appears to me. And then Logan Duncombe, who has not had a lot of playing time, but every time he's been put in the game, He's actually performed pretty well, and he just didn't get an opportunity, and he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities in these big games, which you just kind of like to see what he could do in, in a game like that. So we're going to have plenty of opportunity if Trace is out to, to probably see him and Malik both and, and Jordan Geronimo. Those three guys are going to have to step up. And another guy that uh, I think has got a chance to be a factor at some point if he can, uh, because he's a freshman, he's learning, he's still figuring it out. Um, and the system is obviously different for him, and he hasn't had as much playing time as the rest, is Caleb Banks. I mean, he's a 6'8 athlete. He's probably one of the best athletes, if not the best athlete, along with Geronimo on this team. And he can knock down shots. I've seen him do that in practice. I've seen him do it a couple of times in ball games. Um, he just doesn't seem to be as comfortable in the offensive sets and everything that Mike has for them at this juncture but right now, it's every man on deck because this team right now is hurt puppy. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What do you think of Jalen Hood Shafino last night? 21 points, shot the three really well. I thought, Don, he showed us a lot of the signs and reasons why everybody was excited when he landed on campus in the first place. Well, you know what? He's done that for three straight games now. I mean, he had 17, 18, and 21 in the last three ball games. Now, granted, it was against lesser competition in the previous two prior to last night, 
But this guy is coming on. Um, he, of course, was he sat out three or four ball games too uh, because of a back problem earlier on. Uh, that we found out that he had some of that same kind of a problem in high school. But apparently that settled down and he's able to perform. And you just hope that he can hang in there too. But he was terrific last night. He had nine assists. He shot the three ball terrifically well. Uh, he ran the offense. He had some dramatically good uh, passes in the first half when the offense was really clicking and everything was going Indiana's way. Uh, I, I just I, I love his demeanor on the court. Uh, he, he just has a calmness about him. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a freshman, so he's not trying to lead as vocally as you would uh, perhaps anticipate that he could. I think he can. He's going to have to because, without doubt, uh, at the point guard position, he is the key guy right now. All right, Northwestern coming up at noon on Sunday. Well, the Westers kind of found it a little bit right here. And what else they have found, they've got a lineup of been there, done that type of dudes that are able to score. They've got a garden variety or more than that, I think, of those type of guys. Well, Chase Adige and Boo Booey are two guys that have been there a couple of years now. Booey's been there longer than that. Uh, these guys are good players. Uh, they've got a nice cast around them that understands their roles. Chris Collins does a great job of getting these guys to buy into what he wants them to do. Um, and they're playing some of their best basketball now. <laughs> and they knocked off their arch rival in their last outing, the Fighting Illini of Illinois, who was, you know, after the first few ball games of the season, they looked like they were going to be a top five team all year. And they were able to knock, uh, Northwestern was able to knock them off in their rivalry ball game the other night. So this is going to be another challenge. And then you got Penn State on the road after that next week and, and Wisconsin come to town. So I'm telling you right now, it, it's a grind in the Big Ten when you start Big Ten play. And with the injury problems that Indiana's got, this could be a real disaster time for this program if, uh, if Indiana can't somehow respond. No doubt. And just last night in a, in a thumbnail sketch, Don, I, I thought you, Purdue was the game prior. And, man, Ohio State looked good at home, great environment. They were hitting everything. And then Purdue survived and grinded it out and got the win. And that's just the type of thing. And, and hopefully this is not one you think back, could have, should have, would have for IU because it was, it was, you know, there. Even with the injuries, it was there, and they were unable to close it on the road in that situation. And, you know, you kind of saw Purdue do that as well. I mean, Purdue got through it last night. And those at the end of a Big Ten season can be the difference between really doing something and being something special and having to make up for a lot of lost time there. And I think we saw it in two different examples at seven and at nine last night. Yep, I think you're right. Uh, there's no question about that. And that's that's where this team is at right now. And Mike lamented last year a lot that they, they didn't close games, that there were a lot of games that they had right there in their palm uh, and couldn't let, get it done. They've had big big leads and contests, obviously, last year against Wisconsin up there. They were up like 21 or 22 points in the first half. Uh, and I think at the half, they were leading by 17. They kind of let a couple of baskets get away from them or defensive plays get away from them. But I'm telling you, there is nobody in this league you could take lightly. There simply is not a bad team in this program, in this Big Ten, I should say. And uh, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a big challenge, especially now with the injury issues that Indiana's dealing with. No doubt about that. All right. Hey, I'm going to let you get off here because it seems like you, you may want to hit the sack tonight at about 7. All right. Just get some of that sleep back. 
I, I never go to bed at seven, John. I, I've got to go to bed when I can actually fall asleep. I'll hit my brain still going on too strong. I'll have to. I'll be up till about eleven, just like I always am. Hey, I saw. Yeah, it was it was a good. Now, does John Herrick go on the road with you guys? Was he there last night? No, he does not. He does not go on the road. We're, that's inside baseball. You had to bring it up, and so now we got to explain it to oh, everybody. Oh, no. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. Ah, <laughs> I suck. God no, dang it. John, does, John does not go on the road. Joe Smith didn't either the last uh, two or right. three years either. So we, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a problem in the sense of travel and that kind of stuff. And and we were able to do it this way, and it works out pretty well. John, of course, does all the home games with us, and of course, he travels in the football season, but not in basketball. Well, you know, it's funny too. I saw our our friend and your engineer, Jake Robinson. He was all, you know, mic'd up. And I know he's conversing with you guys and, you know, they're uh, the Carousel's Radio Network folks as well. But I thought that maybe he was adding a little bit of analysis in your ear last night. He was doing a lot of, a lot of talking when I saw him a couple of different times down there. Was he giving you guys, giving you guys a little analysis work last night? Uh, occasionally he throws in a couple of things. He, he lets me know that I made a mistake here or a mistake there. He's, he's kind of the, he's the, that devil on the left side of my shoulder that I, I like to hear from every now and then. <laughs> he definitely is that. There's no doubt. But, man, he is he's really good at what he does. Always has oh, been. Don, have a fantastic weekend. We'll be listening coming up for that Northwestern game on Sunday. Thank you. John, thanks for having me, buddy. See ya. Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, our good friend from Indiana Sports Talk. Tonight, tomorrow night, catch it. Network Indiana Affiliation. All the stations around the state. It is Bob Lovell and the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline brought to you by our 14 Central Indiana Car X locations. Hello, Bob. Hey, John. How are you and Chris doing? We're great. Would you tell your kids back in the day, you got to hit your free throws? You got to <laughs> hit your free throws. <laughs> well, I think anybody who's ever touched a ball understands it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just one of those, one of those things where uh, it's called a free throw. Uh, you're there because you made your opponents make a mistake of some kind and you don't get things, you know, that often it's not easy to score. And so when you get the uh, opportunity, you need to take advantage of it. And that's one of those easier said than done kind of things. But uh, yeah, you, you absolutely win and lose games oftentimes by what you do or don't do at the free throw line. All of us know it doesn't take someone who grew up in Indiana to understand it. Everybody knows it. And that's what makes it frustrating. And it's, and I'm sure there are people out there saying, well, don't they work on free throws? Yeah, they work on them every day and coaches are coaching them every day and talking about it. It's not just like, Hey, you go into your team and yell at them and say, start making free throws. There's a little more to coaching than just that. Um, It's a mental thing with most people. And so, you know how it is. Not everyone has that uh, um, assassin skill that you had at Eastern Green that you're going <laughs> to knock them down no matter what. Nobody, feeling, not everyone has that opportunity. Feeling good about that. Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talks on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pileline. Plus, yeah, if you're Mike Woodson and IU, you may want to work on a, a little bit better zone offense concept and not get called out by – the opposing coach's son who was on the floor last night after the game regarding how that went down. But I did want to ask you this as a former coach, is there uh, an unwritten written etiquette 
on assistant coaches conversing with game officials and, you know, a particular space for head coaches talking to referees and something obviously that it, it looks like Fran McCaffrey initially last night, late in the first half or second half, uh, took exception to. And certainly Mike Woodson did and his staff did. And Mike Woodson alluded to it after the game. Is there protocol etiquette that the coaches go through oh, yeah. here? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coach to coach, coach to official. Officials uh, will very easily tell you, hey, I'll take all kinds of abuse from the head coach. I will not listen to word one from an assistant. And, um, look, I've had uh, more than once in my career a few years ago, uh, had problems with my opponent's coach uh, on the sidelines. And I would, I'm not proud, but more than once, uh, threatened to knock the other guy out if he didn't shut, you know, what up. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I've been through it. <laughs> it's not much fun. Uh, and that's why you have assistants on the bench tell, uh, grabbing you and making you stand where you need to be. Uh, and I think you know, it's a, a, it is a, a, a protocol between coaches. You coach your team, I'll coach mine. That's your end, stay there. And if you don't, then we're going to have a problem. So, yeah, I'm not at all surprised. I would think, about, uh, 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 talk, John. I'm sorry. Talking yeah. about things ahead, I no, used you to ahead. do. I, I would, I would think you might want to start uh, by guarding somebody. I mean, I, I would. I, right there, I think uh, your biggest problem, you know, missed free throws aside, injuries aside, how about you guard somebody? You won't win on the road if you don't, and they're not winning on the road. So focus on. And they used, you know, I'm, they're a decent defensive team. Didn't look like it at all last night. Well, and a little bit of something about IU, and this has been their problem for a number of years that certainly is a precursor to uh, the uh, last year and now almost a year and a half since Mike Woodson has taken over is they can be strong when they're feeling good and things are going right. But if something goes the least bit haywire, Bob, I'm talking on either end here, offensively or defensively, they have historically speaking have a difficult time getting through that and i thought you saw that again last night too i mean they got that zone thrown at them and they were just a discombobulated offensive mess in the second half no they did not react well to it at all didn't didn't adjust like you kind of thought they would still still scored by the way still scored by the way but the the zone affected them as i guess what i should better say there bob well, this is the kind of thing that kind of changes tempo around, kind of changes rhythm around. You, you know what that's about. And sometimes you make a move, a simple move like that, and you're thinking, well, you know, that shouldn't bother us. And sometimes for whatever yeah. reason, it does. I think they have, I think they have, um, you know, it's, again, Big Ten season just starting, so to speak. They've got a lot of time. They're a good basketball team. But what concerns you is they haven't beaten good teams on the road. They haven't, you know, to, to basically, they haven't really beaten a lot of good teams. Uh, the injuries are an issue. Uh, it's an offense that we throw posts, we kick out, and then we hope. Uh, you know what I mean? So if we can't, if we can't score on on a post pass, get it into uh, Trace Jackson Davis when it comes out. We may or may not get something. Uh, we don't necessarily shoot it that well. We don't make some great decisions. You talk about uh, that's a lack of a point guard or what have you. I think they have. I think they have a multitude of issues, and it's uh, a tough conference for you to try to find your way in the middle of it. So, 
Um, they're 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 uh, under some challenges without question. And I think this weekend, you know, you got Northwestern coming into your place on Sunday. I think we all would expect a better effort, specifically on the defensive end, when they play Northwestern. So Bob Lovell joining us uh, in your past as a coach. Have you ever seen in a game in which you've been coaching a technical given and then rescinded like that in that same moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah more than once, sure. More than once. Like uh, sometimes officials recognize that they may have been too quick on the trigger. They made a bad decision. Uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not unheard of. It doesn't happen very often, but uh, absolutely. Um, I had one in the, in, in the NAI National Tournament uh, when I was at IUPUI, uh, and one of our players uh, took a shot that I took exception to, and I, I, my choice of words were not really good, and I might have actually dropped an F-bomb, and as an official's running by me on the bench, he stops dead in his tracks and turns and gives me a tech. And I, I tried to explain to him, I said, hey, look, I, I wasn't directed at you. I said, did you see that shot my kid took? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, that, that, I was reacting to that. You're going to tech me for reacting to my kid's shot? And he goes, you know what, you're right. He goes over to the bench, clears it up. Uh, we get away with the tick, uh, the, we get away from the tech, and, and we move on. So it's different than, you know, coach going over to chat it up with the other coach. But still, yeah, it, it happens. People do that. They they, they they rescind texts all the time, quite frankly. They ever do that? Because My thought last night initially was that maybe you were just reminded at that moment. One of two things. One was, all right, both these sides are whining about something, and, you know, I don't need to hand out a tech to go ahead and chill mm-hmm. out the situation mm-hmm. or whatever, Bob. But the other was, all right, in the first half – you know, the Silver Fox went a little bit crazy over there on the sideline to fire up his team, and we teed him up then. And if we do this right now, he's going to get tossed. So, hey, we'll take that back with that in mind. Oh, I think that might be part of it, too. I mean, uh, I'm not exactly sure what goes through the minds of, uh, of officials or, or coaches or anything like that at that particular time. Uh, but, but, again, I, I think I think way too much has been made of that particular uh, whistle, non-whistle situation. They got beat uh, on the road by a team that's not very good, uh, didn't play well, continue to struggle in certain areas. So that's, uh, you know, that's just something for you and me and others to talk about. Has no, no impact on the game in my estimation. And so they got to regroup and get ready to play on Sunday. So Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, joining us. Hendricks County Tournament coming up this yeah. weekend. you got Plainfield, your alma mater, Tri-West, and Brownsburg that's on a nice little roll. At Avon coming up as the Hendricks County Tournament is underway, and then not too far behind we'll be talking about the Marion County Tournament. Uh, Brownsburg's really good. Uh, they're playing very, very well. They're very talented, extremely well coached. My Quakers have done very, very well. Andy Weaver is doing a tremendous job with those guys. They have some big wins. Um, uh, they, they're doing doing well. I, you know, it's great. We didn't have a county tourney um, back when I played. We had a, a holiday tourney with Plainfield, Brownsburg, Avon, and Danville. And so it's kind of cool. I kind of wish we'd been able to do that. But um, uh, it, it will be – it should be, uh, I would think, going in, the favorite should be Brownsburg because um, they'll defend you. They can score a multitude of ways. Uh, and they're really, really good. 
You mentioned Andy Weaver. I was just talking to Michael Menser, the former Sycamore great, yeah, who is the yeah. assistant principal over at Plainfield. I think he's going to do some uh, workout stuff with, with my daughter, and I was talking to him about that the other day. So we got to give him a, a, a shout-out, too, because the assistant principal over at Plainfield can ball just a little bit, as we've seen in the past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, going into the uh, Sycamore Hall of Fame because he can ball. How about your Sycamores? Seriously. And you yes. want to talk about a team that's playing awfully, awfully well, understands how to win on the road, understands how to play. Those guys are really good. Give me your thoughts on a couple of middies, Indiana State and how about Ball State as well? I mean, both Michael Lewis in his first year, Josh Schertz in his second year. Everybody feeling pretty good about both these basketball programs right now, Bob. Well, they should. Uh, you, know, it, you know, we're all happy for Michael Lewis uh, for the obvious reasons. And he's one of us. And, um, you know, he's, his kids, you know, they lost some close ones early, John. And they, they talked to him, said they were close. They were doing the right things. They, they weren't making some plays when they needed to. They kind of turned it around. Uh, they're playing very, very well, uh, obviously. Uh, winning close games, making plays that they need to make. Uh, Indiana State got a great start in Valley play. They're often doing some great things. You've seen them. They're fun yeah. to watch. They're hard yes. to guard. They put five guys out there who can put it on the floor, create, and do some things. They're hard to match up with. They can shoot it. They're defending better, uh, playing with an awful lot of confidence for the obvious reasons right now. And so, you know, the Valley is not as overwhelming as it used to be, but still there's some very difficult teams to play, especially on the road. Telling you, for Indiana State, if Drake is at the top of that list of the MVC, this is this is a year in that conference where the Sycamores, you know, could get themselves into the tournament. You could realistically see it. No, I don't think there's any question, especially with these non-conference wins that they rolled up, and and you're getting off to a pretty good start, and and it really truly does matter what the seeding comes down to as you get into the Valley tournament. So. Hopefully they can stay injury-free and continue to play the way they're playing. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talks got you covered with all that later on tonight and tomorrow night. What's on the big show, big fella? Lots of high school basketball. We're back, you know, that first weekend after the holidays, so we got a lot of games, a lot of college stuff to talk about tomorrow night. But uh, hopefully wall-to-wall basketball tonight and tomorrow night. Better go to it, buddy. I appreciate you more than you know. I love this time of year. Because for so high school basketball, for the fellows in so high school basketball, I mean, you, you really start the teeth of your conference season. And for the ladies, you're going to get in that stretch run and, you know, get ready at the end of this month to do a little bit of a sectional draw. And then the postseason's underway. So this is a hell of a time of year. Just to make you feel crazy, the 22nd of this month is the pairing show. That's whack. That is whack, Bob Lovell, right there. <laughs> That's a little crazy. That's a little bit crazy. <laughs> Happy New Year to you down in right, Franklin. Thanks. Thanks and we'll do it next week. Thank, Thank you, Bob. You.